Hi, this is Sarah McCaslin, and in this podcast, I'd like to share part one of the story of a woman named Matilda Reed, um, often referred to as the Angel of the Prisons. Now, there's a book about Matilda Reed that I really enjoy, and I like how they introduce her story, and so I'm going to use a similar approach. Okay, the year is 1900. The location is St. Petersburg, Russia. It's the International Prison Congress, a huge, um, what we'd call now convention, a meeting of sociologists and prison reformers and prison leaders from all over the world. And in one of the sessions, a French sociologist has just finished his paper on what uh, is termed incorrigible criminals. As he's wrapping up his presentation, he says, This class of criminals is hopelessly sick. No reclamation is possible. All that can be done is, in one way or another, to render them harmless. Then a thin female figure can be seen making her way to the platform. In hushed tones, she asks permission to speak, and it's granted. She gets up to the podium and she says, There is, gentlemen, one agency by which every criminal can be transformed, even one who is, as they say, incorrigible. That is the power of God. Laws and systems cannot change the heart of a single criminal, but God can. And I am persuaded that we ought, above all, to occupy ourselves with the souls of prisoners and their spiritual life. And this thin young woman, her words were met with applause. This was uh, Baroness Reed, better known to the prisoners as Miss Matilda Reed, or the Angel of the Prisons. She was a pious, young, headstrong woman, 36 years old, who had used her family's influence and a special gift from God to change the lives of countless prisoners across Finland and beyond. Matilda was born March 8, 1864, in Vasa, Finland. Her father was Carl Gustav Fabian Reed, and he was the governor of the Vasa province. And her family was uh, well-to-do. Her title, uh, as you might have noticed, uh, is Baroness, the Baroness uh, Reed. So, she grew up in wealth. She grew up in a fine home. Her father, a very powerful and influential man. Now, like most little girls, Matilda loved horses and ponies. And one day, she heard her father's blacksmith forging what she thought were horseshoes. And so she went skipping in the uh, blacksmith's shop to check out the horse, you know, to get a look at the horse. To her horror... He was not making horseshoes. He was making leg irons for a prisoner. And that prisoner was standing there. And this left an impression on Matilda that the Lord would use in her later years. Now, just a few weeks later was Matilda's birthday. And her dad gave her the gift of a new bedroom set, uh, furniture for her bedroom. And while Matilda was so excited to receive this gift from her father, it was bittersweet because she knew that it had been made by prisoners. And that saddened her. 
So she began to watch the prisoners that worked on her father's uh, land. Uh, she watched them more closely when they came to her father's home. And usually they were in chains. And I'm not talking little chains. We're talking big chains and shackles. And she would see these men in chains and shackles doing work. And it bothered her. And so the Lord had touched Matilda's heart with this. Now, one evening, Matilda is uh, now a teenager. And she decides to attend a revival meeting instead of a social function with her father. The Lord uh, was dealing with Matilda's heart. And the layman there was preaching on John 3.16. And that night, Matilda gave her heart unreservedly to the Lord. Now, she had grown up with a Christian influence, but that was when she got saved. And later that evening, her father's friends asked her about the meeting. And they were mocking and making fun and talking about how funny it must have been uh, to attend a revival meeting. And they were shocked when Matilda began to witness and testify to them about her experience. Now, it was okay for people to go to church. It was okay for people to read their Bibles. It was okay for people to uh, behave in a religious fashion, but it was not socially acceptable to talk about your own personal experience with the Lord. And Matilda knew that. But Matilda didn't care. The Lord had done something for her that night. And her heart was overflowing with what the Lord had done for her. And from that day on, Matilda did not care about social mores. She didn't care about um, what was and was not fashionable or what was and was not acceptable to polite society. The only thing that Matilda cared about for the rest of her life was living a life that was pleasing to God and fulfilling the call of God on her life. So, the next day, the very next day after Matilda was born again, a prisoner was sent to her room to repair a broken lock. Now, Matilda offered him some coffee, which he greatly appreciated. And then, she began to talk to him about the Lord. And this is where Matilda's whole life ministry starts in that moment. She begins to tell him about the Lord and that the Lord loves him and cares about him. And he looks at Matilda and he says, Would you please come next week and tell the other prisoners what you told me about the Lord? We so need to hear it. And Matilda said, I will. She agreed to do it. Now, when the next week came and it was time for her to go, her father refused to allow her. And you got to love Matilda's approach. She was very down to earth and practical and a little bit on the sassy side. And her dad said, you know, I will not allow it. And she said, but father, I promised. And we always keep our word. He, he gave in and let her do it. <laughs> and this was the beginning of her life's work. And I think that's rather revealing too about her dad. That he, that was important to him. The family's reputation. That the family keep their word. And I think uh, what it comes down to, he wasn't so much worried about how people would view his daughter going to a prison and speaking to the prisoners. But I think he was concerned about the safety of his teenage daughter. But he, he agreed. He agreed to let her uh, go. And she did. So um, Matilda began to visit the prisoners. Then one day, 
she had agreed to go at a certain uh, day to visit a prisoner, uh, but she decided she was going to put it off to take care of a pressing social call. Now, the night before she was supposed to go, she had a dream. And in her dream, a prisoner came into her room with irons on his legs and uh, on his hands and chains, heavy chains, and you could hear the rattle of the chains and the sound of those chains dragging against the floor. And as he came through the room in Matilda's dream, he turned his eyes to face her. He looked into her eyes, and there was sorrow, such heart-rending sorrow in his eyes. And in her dream, he spoke to her. And he said, thousands of poor chained prisoners sigh for life and freedom and peace. Speak to them the word of him who can make them free so long as you have time. And she awoke from that dream. And needless to say, she was very distressed. That dream had touched her. She felt convicted that she had planned on putting off meeting with that prisoner so that she could instead attend a, a social call. And so she she went. She rearranged her schedule, and she kept her promise again. She ke- believed in keeping her promises. Well, now, she was, uh, at this time, obviously very young, in her teens, in her early 20s, and of fairly delicate health, uh, rather frail-looking. Now, um, she was feeling strongly the Lord really dealing with her, to go and start a work among the prisoners. And despite the fact that her father was governor of that area, she figured no one would pay any attention to her because she was so young, and uh, no one would pay any attention to what she had to say. And she questioned the Lord, and she said, Would the prisons even allow me to come in? And she began to think about this. And, you know, Jesus uh, advises us in the Gospels to count the cost. What is, What will it cost us to serve God? What will it cost us to truly commit our life to God? And uh, Matilda began to count the cost. She knew that prison was a terrible place. And she knew that if she went and ministered in the prison, that she would be witness to untold suffering. And she would be exposed to disease. She would be exposed to filth. She would be exposed to danger. Uh, very evil, evil people, possibly. And she knew that she she knew that she would see a lot of things that would break her heart. And so she opened her Bible up as she's praying about this, and she opens to Jeremiah one six. And notice how the Lord is speaking directly to some of her concerns. Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. The Lord is letting her know, yes, you are young, but... You're going to go. I'm sending you. I know you're young. I'm not uh, oblivious to that fact. But you will be heard. And also that you shall go to all I shall send thee. The Lord would make a way for her to get access to the prisoners that needed to hear the message of the gospel. And she prayed and asked the Lord for confirmation. Uh, And the Lord gave her another scripture, Ezekiel 3.11. 
Go get thee to them of the captivity unto the children of thy people and speak to them. And this is when Matilda really understood that this was indeed what the Lord was calling her to do. This was the ministry that the Lord was preparing, had been preparing her for with that first time when she was a little girl and skipped into the uh, blacksmith shop expecting to see a, a beautiful horse being chewed. Instead, saw a prisoner being put into shackles. Well, now that Matilda was convinced that the Lord was indeed calling her to prison ministry, she went to the chief inspector of prisons there in Finland and asked for a permit to visit all the prisons in Finland. And he was kind of taken aback. And he said, how old are you? Matilda says, 20. And he said, that's not a great age. You know, in other words, she's awfully young. And you got to love Matilda's response. But that will improve with time. She countered, uh, kind of sassy there. He decided maybe this was just a phase. You know, her dad was governor. She was wealthy. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll cater to her. So he gave her permission, and he gave her letters of introduction to several prison superintendents. So uh, she began her work at a local prison that housed about 400 men who had been sentenced to life. Now, what these prisons were like, they weren't like prisons that we have uh, today. Uh, these prisoners were usually chained to the wall by their hands, shackles around their hands and shackles around their feet. Um, the rooms, the cells, excuse me, the cells were filthy. The, the What bed coverings they had were filthy. These men themselves were in conditions of terrible filth. The stench had to be unbelievable. And the danger involved with interacting with these prisoners in their cells was extremely high. And all of that combined would be enough to scare most uh, older women from this type of work, much less a young woman in her 20s. But this was what the Lord had called Matilda to do. And none of that faced her. So as I mentioned, she began at a local prison. 400 men sentenced to life. No doubt many murderers in that group. And she was invited to speak to them on Good Friday one year. And so she did. She got up and she shared with them the gospel. She shared with them the Lord's forgiveness and the Lord's love for them. And that group of men hardened criminals began to weep before the Lord. The Lord touched them through her words. And day after day after day, Matilda would go to the prisons and speak with these prisoners. And they said even the most maniacal prisoners would calm down in her presence. And prisoners would describe Matilda as being the embodiment of daylight and spring. She carried with her the love of God, as she would go and visit them. And uh, to describe a semi-typical visit, uh, Matilda goes in. She insists that the guard leave her alone in the cell with the prisoner, which means she's locked in there with them. And she sits down on the edge of the prisoner's bed and said, Won't you sit down beside me? We can talk more easily. And he acts highly offended. 
and he informs her that he has to stand when someone comes into his cell. She says, well, it's just me and you now, and, you know, you can, uh, you can have a seat. And he, this annoys him. He wants her to be afraid of him. Who is this girl, this thin, frail thing that thinks she can come into his cell and talk to him and not be afraid of him? And he points to a dent in the wall. He says, you see that big dent in the wall? How do you think it came to be there? She says, tell me. And he said, well, when I first came here, they let me work at carpentry in my cell. And one day I made up my mind I was going to kill the warden. Sure enough, when he came in, I aimed that axe at him and swung. The blade flew off and it hit the wall and it made that dent in the wall. Now you know what kind of man I am. I see she said. That wasn't the effect his story was supposed to have. It was supposed to scare her, but she didn't seem the least bit intimidated or scared of him. Why are you here? Don't you know I'm the worst prisoner here? And that makes me likely the worst man in all of Finland. Aren't you afraid of what I might do to you? No, I'm not the least afraid, although I do know who you are, and I'm sure you don't wish to harm me. Besides, God is with me, and while he watches over me, I have nothing to fear. And she began to speak to him. And she spoke to him not like he was a prisoner, not like he was a criminal, but just like he was a person, as if he were a friend. And it began to break down his defenses. And he was very torn with his emotions. He didn't quite know how he wanted to respond. And he said, I thought there wasn't a creature who cared for me. And now you come, and you speak so kindly, and you say that God loves me. And he grew silent. And then he leaped to his feet, and he began to violently shake the chains that were chaining his hands and his feet to the wall. He began to shake them with rage and began to stride up and down the length of his cell like a caged beast, swearing and screaming and threatening, and his face was twisted and distorted with rage and hatred matilda didn't blink an eye she steps up to him while he's pacing back and forth like a wild animal and she places her hand gently on his shoulder and begins to walk up and down the length of that cell with him and he talks to her he says if god forgives us why don't men forgive us too chaining me up like this like a mad dog it's only going to make me worse until i am more devil than i am man and he grew quiet and still and matilda spoke to him and she asked him to read the new testament and he said he wasn't allowed to have books because the last book they gave him he threw it at the warden's face and so she handed him her own new testament and when she handed it to him, there began to be a change in his demeanor. And he took it from her, and he said, I promise you, I'm never going to throw this. And I'm not going to throw it away either. Now that's a visit, a typical prison visit for Matilda Reed. And as we, we picture that in our mind, 
we can see that she had a special anointing from God for that work that she was doing, a special grace bestowed on her so she could do that. You know, that's something that we need to remember. When the Lord calls us to a work, and it doesn't matter what kind of work it is, if He calls us to it, He will equip us. He will give us that anointing. Even though it may not be an anointing that people would recognize, He'll give us an anointing. And he'll give us the grace to do it. And he'll open the doors and the opportunities if we will agree to follow him. If we will agree and answer that call, he'll give us everything that we need. Now, who would imagine that the Lord would call the wealthy daughter, a baroness no less, to be a prison reformer in Finland? But that's what he did. When asked about the success of her work, Matilda said nothing has so great an effect upon the prisoners as to show them confidence and love. I believe that the secret of success in our work of rescue is to love those whom we seek to save without waiting until we find something lovable in them. What would become of us if Christ had not loved us? And come to our help. One day a prisoner asked Matilda if he could borrow her brooch. And she tried as much as she could to comply with their request. And she said sure. And she didn't even ask him what for. She trusted him. And about an hour later it was delivered back to her. Just as it had been before. And so the next time she saw him he said he had a gift for her. And he handed her an exact replica of her brooch, except it looked like it had been carved from ivory, beautiful white ivory. And she said, what is it made from? And he smiled at her and he said, it's a bone from an old cow. That he had been eating his soup one day and found a cow bone and decided to make something for her. You know, he didn't have access to very much, but here was an opportunity. And he had them set it out in the sun so that it would bleach the bone. And then he carved that replica of her brooch. And he said, from it, a prisoner has shaped a jewel for you. And one can easily think of a life-sentenced person as an evil and worthless thing. But you have said that God in his goodness can deliver a man as bad as I have been. And the sun of his love can consume all my sins as the power of the sunshine has cleansed this bone. The thief on the cross was brought by Jesus to paradise. And the Lord in his mercy has a place for me in his kingdom, a great sinner, but a pardoned one. And uh, Matilda wore the brooch that he had carved for her. Instead of the original, she wore the one he had carved for her for the rest of her life. And it was obviously a wonderful gift and a testimony to the influence that she had with the prisoners and the anointing that was on her. And I love how he said that he had been a great sinner, but he was a pardoned one. The Lord had forgiven all his sins. And I think it's neat, too, that assurance that he had that when he died, he would go to be with the Lord. So that ends part one of Matilda Reed. And if you're enjoying her story, 
um, and I hate to do this, but I'm going to put a quick plug in here for a book I wrote. It's called Through Him, The Hand of God in the Lives of His Servants. And there is a chapter in there that tells uh, one of the many stories from Matilda Reed's life. And this is available on Amazon Kindle. And again, it's entitled Through Him, The Hand of God in the Lives of His Servants. Thank you for listening. I hope that uh, the Lord's touched you.